channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show we're going to explore, why is movie theater popcorn so dang expensive? Hey Ron, how you doing? I'm great, Ed, how are you? So why do those movie theaters rip us off? Why do they charge so much for that popcorn? I mean, it's like three cents worth of popcorn. It's because they got you, right? If they just have you. There's, you don't have any choice. You, you know, you got to get it. So it goes, it goes hand in hand. So, you know, they know they got you. So they're just going to take you for everything you got. Right. It's, there's no popcorn price wars in, mm-hmm. <laughs> amongst the theaters. You know, it's a great question, and I know we've talked about this before in a price discrimination show, but it kind of sets the theme for this show where we're going to talk about economic puzzles and paradoxes or whatever. And I actually asked that question, at around the world. Why is movie theater popcorn so expensive? And you know, with a lot of these questions that we're going to explore, you get kind of a knee-jerk, you know, everybody's got a gut reaction or a knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, that's wrong. Because you really have to think deep. So when I threw that question out to audiences, you, you, you get the normal knee-jerk reactions. Well, they have a monopoly, right? You can't, there's no competition. It's, you know, you're a captive audience. That That's the number one question in the UK, Canada, Australia, wherever I asked that, that was the number one answer, captive yep. audience. And, and then I say, well, okay, but what else? What else? And you really get them to try and think about it, right? And then some of them will say, well, there's a limited selling time, right? They've only got so much time to, to, to sell before people have to run back into their seats and catch the movie. And, and then you go, okay, but what else? And then you might get some of the accountants in the room to say things like, well, you know, they do have to, to turn over some um, floor space to setting up those concession stands, mm-hmm. right? And that's expensive. Yep. I mean, you know, that could, be a, that could be a space they could turn into another theater maybe and, and just jam more seats in there. So that, that might be part of it. Uh, popcorn and candy and soda could impose higher cleanup costs, on the theater, right? You got to pay people to come in and, and sweep and clean up, um, and and then as you get people to think about it, they'll they'll say things like, "Well, you know, it tastes and smells better than what you can make at home," and well, obviously, it's part of the experience of seeing a movie, 
right? Mm-hmm. Kind of begs right. the question, well, how did it become part of the experience? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then some people will get very frustrated at the end and say, well, it's because people will pay for it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and all, all of these sound really plausible, but they're not really the technically correct answer. And I think that's what's so fascinating about some of these questions that we're going to lob today at the audience and try and answer is, you know, the, the, the knee jerk reaction, the initial reaction is usually not right. There, there's usually a better explanation for it. And an interesting way to approach it is to ask yourself, what does the theater owner know that we don't, I mean, you and I, we don't run, most people don't run movie theaters, Right, so we're not interested in max. I mean, we know they're interested in maximizing profits. So why do they do what they do? And and when you when you uh, shoot down some of the early answers quickly, like for example, captive audience. Well, if that was true, they wouldn't have wouldn't they have pay toilets. You're 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 captive there too, right? <laughs> but 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 I think what the theater owner might know is what he made at the pay toilets he'd probably lose at the box office you know because that probably just really upset people to have to pay to go to the bathroom um and you start getting into some of the other answers like the the cleanup costs or the the floor space dedicated to the concession stand well it's nowhere near the markup Mm -hmm. right these yeah, it, it's got a partial impact. It's got it, a, certainly got a partial impact. Absolutely, but nowhere near it goes to explaining that full profit margin. And and really, I I the first uh, time I saw this Ed was I, I think it was Stephen Landsberg. Uh, mm-hmm. David Friedman talked about it as well in one of his books, but I think I read it in Stephen Landsberg's book the first time called The Armchair Economist, which is a great book. And he says, he, he, he kind of posed the same question. What does the theater owner know that the, most of us don't? He says, well, I believe he knows this. Some moviegoers like popcorn more than others. Well, that's kind of interesting. We definitely know that's true. And if you're a theater owner, you, how do you identify those people? How do you identify the people that are going to come in and buy popcorn versus those who aren't? Or maybe just going to go in and watch the movie. So you're really buying an opportunity set, right? You're buying an opportunity to go see the movie or go see the movie and enjoy popcorn. And so technically, this is called a two-part tariff, right? You're you're charging. It's kind of like a country club. You know, you you, you pay a membership uh, fee. You might even pay monthly dues. But then they charge you to eat there, maybe or or golf there or whatever. Right? It's kind of a two part tariff. That's what's going on here. But it's also a way to segregate your customers from popcorn lovers and non popcorn lovers. And so the, the real economic answer is the theater owner is keeping the cost of tickets at the door low. So he doesn't turn away more price-sensitive customers, people with large families, lots of kids, or children themselves, right, who are more price-sensitive, right. college students on, a, on dates and things that don't have a lot of money. He doesn't want to turn those people away from his you know, fixed-price seats, but what he is saying is, for those of you who come in and self-identify yourself as a popcorn lover, we'll, we'll pull the, the profits out of, out of your wallet, Right, 
And, and that's kind of the price discrimination that's going on. And that's what Landsberg means by some moviegoers like popcorn more than others. So this is a way to charge the popcorn lovers a higher price. Right. And then, of course, they entice you with the with the coupon, right, for a, for a dollar off. And you're thinking, okay, dollar off. Okay. <laughs> but and then when you get there, it's ten bucks. You're like, holy cow! The other right. thing that I think is interesting about the movie theater popcorn—it's one of the few places where I, I think. I mean, I haven't done the survey, but I but I would bet that most people end up choosing the top option, right? Most people end up getting the big wanking large popcorn. Big bucket, yeah. Now you're probably right. Be, be, because the, the the way that they they set the prices, it seems it seems ridiculous, right? Because so, sometimes they're they're maybe it maybe fifty cents more, and you get like twice as much popcorn. So you're like, well, I'll definitely go for that's the, a steal. The, yeah, yes, yeah, steal. That's a steal now. <laughs> you know, because now I'm getting three cents worth of popcorn instead of two cents worth of popcorn. <laughs> but for the extra buck or extra fifty cents. You know, and if you really should ask yourself the question, if we were completely rational, we would be asking ourselves, well, how much popcorn am I actually going to eat? Or actually, how, what, how much popcorn should I actually eat while watching this movie? Because that's, you know, that's the other thing, too, is that you end up slamming it all down and you're sick to your stomach halfway through the movie. At least I am. I can't stop myself. Yeah, no, unless you're with a crowd of people. I, I can't get through one of those big buckets of popcorn. No way. <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm with I'm with two kids who you know they they they're and they eat it too, so it, but but it is it's a it's a very intriguing question and it really really leads to some much deeper thinking than what happens at first blush and I think that's true for all of these economic puzzles and paradoxes that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the points that Landsberg made, which is so good, is you know people say, well, that's that's where the theater owners make their profit. Well, that just begs the question: Well, why aren't they making the profit off the theater tickets? If if the goal was to extract more money from everybody, every moviegoer, well, that would be achieved much easier with higher price tickets, mm-hmm. right? Because not everybody buys popcorn, so you'd be nailing everybody at the door, um, right? So, so it goes back to this identification problem that we talk a lot about with pricing is how do you identify if you're an airline or a hotel, the business traveler, from the leisure traveler, right? right. And what mm-hmm. I find so brilliant about the theater example, Ed, is we're self-identifying. Correct. <laughs> we run up to the concession stand and go, yes, yes, take more money out of my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it's it's a brilliant strategy, and it, it, and the giveaway, if when you think about it, is this: that yes, you can pay cheaper to go to the movie if you're going to a you know the matinee or first run of the uh, of the movie for the day. Yep. But they don't they don't lower the price of the popcorn ever. Yep. Nope. Right. You, you, and that's you, really the giveaway. I was even surprised when you said a buck off. I I I rarely see that, although I guess that is out there. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe that's the difference between Texas and California. So. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Although I confess, I haven't been to a movie in quite a while. So uh, you they, haven't they, seen they, the new Star Wars, Ron? No, no, not a Star Wars fan. I know I'm the only guy in the country who's not, but <clears throat> probably even All shouldn't right. admit it. We'll probably get hate mail now. <laughs> <laughs> but well, that, as as we discussed, yeah, that's what it's one of the things, folks. I, I just love about this topic is. Um, you know, you're you're when you when you're confronted with these questions, you you do default. We all think we know the answer, and yet 
yeah, most of the time your your knee jerk answer is wrong. And I've I've confronted that over and over and over. That's why it's such a great learning uh, tool. Because really, economics is 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 a way of thinking about you know human behavior or certain situations. It's it's not a series of answers. It's it's a series of of questions or a way of thinking about you know why we behave the way we do. And that's what's so interesting about some of these puzzles. Yeah, and we should give a quick uh, shout out to to Russ Roberts and his his show the uh, 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 the well, I can't think of the name of it now. Ron, off the top of my head, the econ- economics blog that he does. Econ but, uh, Talk, I think. Econ, econ talk. talk. There he goes. Now it's uh, Econ Talk, and he did a show recently with the, the author of one of these books, right? Who who we're going to take some of these questions from. Yes, yes, he was talking with Robert Frank, I believe, at Cornell, and he, he's a great economist, uh, has written lots of books, and uh, he wrote a book called The Natural Economist in Search of Explanations for Everyday Enigmas, uh, which, I, which I really enjoy. So, yes, we will definitely take some questions out of that and talk more about this. But um, just, just a heads up, folks, as we go through these questions, just think about them. Because most of the time, your knee-jerk response is going to be wrong. Your first response is wrong. And that's what's so intriguing about these. Well, let's do this, Ron. Throw out the next question now just before we go to the break so that folks can think about it as they're, okay. as they're listening. So go ahead and give, give the next question, and then, then we'll go to the break. And, and this, is, this is a great one, and it really does require a lot of thought. And, and Ed, what I love about this one is we don't know if we have the right answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I'm perplexed uh, on this, but it is, why do laundries charge less for men's shirts than for women's? That's a great question. All right, but before we uh, get the answer to that one, we'd like to remind you that you can visit our website at thesoulofenterprise.com. We certainly want you to review the book and also our podcast on iTunes if you can. And we want to remind you that you can send us email at asktsoe at verisage.com. Also, shout out to at asktsoe on Twitter, and we are happy to take your questions. If you've got an economic paradox that's coming up today, send it on out to us, and maybe we'll incorporate it into the show. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back everybody we're we're here talking about why movie theater popcorn is so expensive and other economic puzzles and paradoxes and I'd like to remind you if you'd like to email Ed or myself you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com and please check out our show notes at the soul of enterprise.com and we'll have full show notes and the books we mentioned and the podcasts and other resources up there as well on this topic. So, Ed, we left off on a pretty interesting question. And I, I have to tell you, when I, when I was confronted with that question, all sorts of thoughts ran through my head. But what is your question? What is your answer to why do laundries charge less for men's shirts than for women's? You know, I... In, in going through these paradoxes, Ron, one of the things that continues to jump out at me is is I always answer them with the subjective theory of value. <laughs> it's like, well, because women value it value it more. Next question, um, but but that's not that's not fully the answer, right? There's there, there there's there's clearly more to it because there's there's some structure behind it. Because it was it was just always purely that. Um, you know, you'd see different things begin to to, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about that. Like you, you, you would see a, a dry cleaner for women only. I mean, if that was that was the case, and you know, I, I think you know, my answer is is that I don't know. I think I think women are more particular about their shirts, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's is- part of it. I mean, so so therefore, the dry cleaner is probably going to take a little bit more care. Um, with regard to to uh, the, the the processing of those shirts, um, and th- that would be my initial reaction, which means it's probably wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've even had people say, "Well, it's because you know uh, the the women's buttons are what on the on the left or the right? I forget. Um, they're on the opposite side of the guys, but really cost three times more because of that. Uh, that's probably is that, not is that what you're seeing is, is this, it's three times more, roughly three times it, more. That's for, yeah. You know, I haven't priced this in a while, but that's what it's traditionally been. I believe. Right. We have, to, we have to do it in a hotel the next time we're in a hotel. Cause you, you know, grab that laundry list off of, yes, that would be the place to check it out for sure. Um, the other thing you get at is, well, women have more delicate fabrics, but okay, if that's the case, then why not just charge different prices for different fa- fabrics, right? Which they sort of do, like if you bring in something that's silk or suede or something like that. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't distinguish between genders, right? No. You would distinguish between fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Is not it, sure I, well, why that would be. And, and would it be because women, like you say, they, they demand higher quality work, um, you know, or or do they know guys care less <laughs> and are more likely to substitute doing their own uh, laundry or, or just going I, without right. clean shirts? 
Sure. Yeah, because I guess it's a substitution effect thing. A guy is more likely to say, the heck with it, I'll just throw it in the, in the, the washing machine. Right, right. And, and what, just like you said, and it's a great point, if, if, the high prof, if, if it was a profit thing, I mean, if they were really soaking it to the women or really you know, sticking it to the women and making enormous profits or windfall profits, then you would expect a dry cleaner to come in, undercut on the woman's prices, maybe 50 cents or a buck, and just cater to women. But mm-hmm. we don't see that. So, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but there, 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 there is a cost factor going on here as well. It obviously must cost something more to do a woman's shirt. Now, in further looking at this, Ed, what I've, what I've learned is when you ask dry cleaners about it, and they'll tell you, well, the women's shirts don't fit fully in our machines, and they require really? more attention and more labor. Yes, I have actually heard that, <clears throat> and I, I don't know why, <laughs> uh, but, I, but I have heard that. Um, you know, uh, other people say things like, well, it could be your customer loyalty. And I'm like, really? Are the dry cleaner? I mean, dry cleaner is pretty competitive industry, right? And when you see competitive industries, there tends to be less, you know, price discrimination going on, um, although it still exists. I mean, think of gas stations. Think how competitive gas stations are. But you still see you can still see a pretty good variance, even in the same town, same community, with gas prices. Well, I guess the suspicious mind would say that there's just price collusion yep. going on, right? That they're just they're engaged in that. They kind of find out, oh, yeah, every, it just started out, hey, we're charging women more, and everybody's picked up on it, and so great. Okay, that seems to be the, the industry standard now. Right. So it, it's a really interesting question, and, and uh, I think Landsberg discussed this in the book, The Armchair Economist, and, and he kind of came to the conclusion that, well, look, either there's price discrimination going on here between the men and women's shirts, or women's clothes are just incredibly more expensive to clean and press. Hmm. And yep. I, quite, quite frankly, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Partly probably because I'm not a dry cleaner, but one of the things he points out is even if you ask dry cleaners, they might not be the greatest source of of information to answer this question because Mm -hmm. they may be doing it because that's the way it's always been done. Right, right. Right? And I never discount that. I mean, look how long hourly billings hung around. (laughs) <laughs> and and maybe maybe it, it it has always been done this way, and maybe it did have to deal with fabric at one point, you know, before I guess cotton became the 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 go to, or actually I should say the synthetics became more more the 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 preferred uh, fabric that we all use. That probably silks and and other more natural fabrics that women's shirts tend to be made out of were were more expensive to process, and that right. it's just hung on since then. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but maybe they were back in the day, you know, tr- discriminating against fabrics, but just it's hung around because, well, it's the women that have these more delicate fabrics. Right, right. All right, give me another one. Give me another one. What's another one? Another wow, question. okay. Well, this is one of my favorites because I think this is really poorly understood, um, and that is <laughs> do companies really plan? for obsolescence oh yeah 
And how many times have you heard stuff like this? In fact, let me give you an interesting, interesting uh, point on this. This is something Ann Landers. Do you remember Ann Landers? Probably really dating. Oh yeah, dear Ann, and then her sister, right? Her, dear yeah, Abby? dear Abby, right? <laughs> right. Now I guess it's uh, Judith Martin, right? Uh, Miss Manners, who's kind of take. But these advice. Uh, they call them anti-advice or something. They have a rich history. I just read the fascinating uh, article on The Economist about this. They, they go back. I mean, these these advice columns go way, way back, like farther than you would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she said she used to rail against this in, in two areas, pantyhose and light bulbs. <laughs> and, you know, she, what, what, you know, because what they're doing is they're planning for obsolescence, right? Well, Again, this coming from Landsberg's book, The Armchair Economist, he deals with this, and he actually reprints a letter uh, that Ann Landers wrote in response to this question, and he says, okay, look, let's say a company could, let's say that you buy on average, you know, uh, pantyhose twice a month, and two, two bucks, two, two dollars and change, right? So you're spending roughly $52 a year on pantyhose because they get runs in them or whatever. He says, if a company could sell you one pair for $52 that would last all year, would they rather do that or would they rather sell you, you know, 26 pairs over the course of a year? <laughs> and the answer, of course, is you rather have one transaction, right, that creates right, the same amount yep. of revenue rather than, than inventory and storage and blah, 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 transportation costs. He said, so really what's happening is most people, most women probably couldn't spend $50 for uh, a pantyhose that lasted for a year. You know, it'd be too much money. So really what the manufacturer is kind of doing is giving you a loan, which is a very interesting way of thinking about it. Right, right. And well, and also I guess the, 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 the challenge would be too is that you, you could lose them more easily, and then you'd be out fifty-two bucks as opposed to just the two. Absolutely, right? Yep. And so you know. there's risk there of losing them, or you know, whatever. And and so you know, you're buying an insurance policy too, somewhat. So your your losses are are minimal if you do lose them. Hmm. Interesting. And then the you know, I I, I kind of think that th- there's a little bit of. Um, you know, razor blades going on here too. Although it, it's different because you're we're not selling the handle. You know, like the, the old King Gillette idea, right? We, yeah. we give away that we give away the handle to sell the blades. Yeah. You know why? Why isn't there are there there razor blades that last for a lot longer? And you know what's interesting is there there seems to be a war on that now, Ron. I don't know if we, I see I oh, yeah. see ads all the time on Facebook. Oh. You know, shave shaving club of America, whatever it is, right? And, and of course, now Gillette's gotten into it, which is probably yes. example. They have their own shaving clubs. Like, yeah, okay, you woke you you woke the nine hundred pound gorilla, so deal uh-huh. with it. <laughs> right. So, so they, you know, they, but but I don't think it's necessarily planned obsolescence uh, so much as it is, you know, they just get nasty, right? <laughs> they, they, you know, and I think pantyhose are kind of the same way. I mean, what, I don't know if you'd really want to wear. One pair of pantyhose for a year. It's, I mean, it just sounds kind of gross, actually. Yeah, no, and, and Ed, before we did away with Edison's great invention, you know, the oh, incandescent the light bulb. I mean, that's a whole other show. I don't want to talk about the stupidity of that. Uh, but there were light bulbs, weren't were there not, that, that would last, I mean, an enormous length of time. 
Yep. Well, I still got them, Ron. So you know, I I don't. You're good. I'll I'll be coming to Texas then to stock up. I I stocked up. I have a big. I kid you not. Out in the garage, I'll have to post a picture of this as a show note. I have a big box of old-fashioned incandescent light bulbs, and I got to tell you, old stash. I love it. Yeah, it's my. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready for the zombie apocalypse when it comes to light bulbs. So don't worry. But but do you remember those light bulbs that would last, I don't know what it was, 10,000, 20,000 hours, whatever, but they yeah. were substantially more. And you know what? They didn't sell. <laughs> because when you think about buying a light bulb, you don't want to spend 20 times more than the, you know, the average price of one because it's just, it's ridiculous. I'm so perfectly convinced that 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 was that was a, a government lobby. That was a bootlegger Baptist situation that 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 happened where when Congress outlawed the incandescent light bulbs, that you know GE was up there lobbying, going, "Yeah, because <laughs> our light bulbs are now too good." <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know the other thing with planned obsolescence too, just to kind of tie this out is, um, you think about automobiles right now. It was that was another thing that people wailed against. You know that oh, the automobiles they plan for them to break down. Well, look how long they're lasting now. You know, you can drive a Honda, what two hundred fifty, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand miles. I mean, this idea that the companies want to plan for obsolescence is just kind of insane. I, I know people can point to tech and go, oh, but they come out with new additions or whatever, but that's just technological progress. Right. Right? That's just advances in technology. Yeah, you can't compare a, an iPhone 6 to a, a, the first generation. That's, that's ludicrous. You can't even compare an iPhone six to an iPhone five. I, I, I that's mean, I, true. You got the, you got the, I got the six, and then I look at you know, and the, there's a, when somebody has a five around, I'm like, how did I ever use that phone? <laughs> <laughs> so no, so the answer is no. Companies really do not plan for obsolescence, as nobody's willing to spend all the additional money to buy something that will last longer, whether it's light bulbs or pantyhose. So all right, and, all right. before uh, we go to the break. What's the next question? Okay, because so we both like talking about this one. If your odds of winning the big lottery, and didn't we just have one, are approximately the same if you purchase a ticket, and if you don't, <laughs> why is it rational for people to play the lottery? Awesome. Very fascinating question. Yep, awesome. But we want to take a break right now, and we want to remind you that you can view our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. Also, Twitter at AskTSOE, and we do monitor that during the show. If you want to ask us an economic puzzle or paradox that you think you've come up with, we'd love to hear from you on that. Of course, if you think hear this after the, after the show airs and want to send it to us, it's AskTSOE at Verisage.com. But right now, we want you to hear from Azamba. <laughs> We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. 
Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here doing Why is Movie Theater Popcorn So Expensive and Other Economic Puzzles and Paradoxes. And, folks, we are thinking about turning this uh, into a series, the economic puzzles and paradoxes, posing these questions and trying to give economic answers to them. We'd love your feedback if you'd like to see this uh, become a regular series. It'd be something that uh, Ed and I would love to do because there's some really interesting questions that we could uh, we could toss out. So please give us some feedback on that. And you can do that by emailing us at asktsoe at verisage.com. And thanks for those who have been sending emails to us. Bill and uh, Hector have recently emailed on prior shows, and uh, we really enjoy getting your emails, reading your feedback, and suggested topics for new shows. So, Ed, we like to talk yeah. about the lottery and all the uh, political <laughs> implications and all of that. But why is it rational for people to play the lottery if their odds of winning are about the same whether they buy a ticket or not? Yeah. And, you know, I, my favorite is, is that more people get hit by lightning in their lives twice twice I, I you know it's, it's one of my favorite and i'm sure we could find this on youtube it, it's one of my favorite lottery ads i believe it was from michigan and you know guys standing out in front of the in the desert and he says i hear i understand that your odds of winning the lottery are the same as being struck by lightning and then this bolt drops out of the sky and nails him and he kind of stands up and he says one please <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. A good uh, ad. Good ad. It's a good ad. So it, this is a really interesting one. I, you know, I, I think it, it, really all gambling to me is a, a bit of a challenge because I don't understand it. I don't gamble. I I've been to Las Vegas. Well, you know, we we work a lot with accountants, and and every accounting conference seems to be in Vegas. Vegas. Every yeah. at least every other one. Because attendance goes the, up by fifty percent when that's Yeah, I'm not sure what the fascination is. I get you know, but I you know, I like the food in Vegas. Uh, I like the to go to to shows and stuff, but I'm I'm not a gambler at all. And so I I, I really have a hard time with this. I think the lottery is a voluntary tax, right? I mean <laughs> That's the only it's only voluntary tax that people pay. Uh, you know, it's 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 just a belief system. I think that 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 you know, a, a dollar in gambling is is better than two earned doing something <laughs> right for real. <laughs> it's it's just it literally so the windfall effect, right? So who cares? I I didn't have to do anything for this other than plop down a dollar. So the fact so that chasing I, free chasing free money, chasing yeah, I don't have to work for it, and yeah, I, yeah. I can be lucky. Yeah, I, 
You know, I, I, I definitely think that's part of it. And I think another part of it is, um, you know, let's face it, a buck for a lottery ticket, especially when it's, you know, really high, it's a cheap dream. Yeah, it's a cheap thrill. But, it's a but, cheap fantasy. Well, I, yeah, it's a cheap fantasy. I mean, and, and it's entertainment. I think there's a certain amount of entertainment value in that. Um, I will say this, though. So, you know, it, it, and and your explanation would explain this question because I never understood this. Is, you know, people were gaga over it, what, three or four weeks ago when it was over a, a billion dollars or getting close to a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and more and more people were taking, of course, that escalates the prize. But, you know, it was interesting because people were like, well, that's life changing money. Oh, so like, you know, 18 million isn't life changing money. So it's like, well, you and I are on different planets, my friend. Cause, yeah, you know I mean, a million would be life changing. Yeah, of course. A million people. dollars would be life changing money to any of us, most of us anyway. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe some of you out there listening to us are, w- that would not be life changing money. But, you know, it, so the argument that, okay, that's somehow life changing, but the, but the 17 million isn't. That holds really no water for me. Right. Yeah. No, com- completely agree. <laughs> it, it, it is interesting. We start talking about the politics of this, and they call the lottery attacks on the poor because the poor, the poor spend disproportionate amounts on lottery and all of that. And you can, you know, you can make all those arguments and whether or not the money is really helping the schools and all of that. But the bottom line is I, I just think it's a fantasy, and I think it's a pretty cheap fantasy. Yep. Hey, so Ron, do you know anyone who's ever won like the big lottery? No, I don't. But Ed, when you read the studies, and I'm sure you've looked at this too from the evidence of this, the people who have won the lottery, when mm-hmm. they when they revisit them in these longitudinal studies that, you know, go for years, mm-hmm. they're they're they their their lives are more miserable. They're not happier at all. They're more miserable. You know, some of them get swindled, taken. They, you know, false friends come out of the woodwork, family, you know, all of these things. And they're not any happier. Well, interesting. Well, because I I do know someone. You do? I do know someone. Well, yep, 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 yep. Well, sort of. So my, well, I do know him. My my brother's wife, right? So my sister-in-law, her dad was a... A, a 10% winner in a lot lottery back. Oh, I don't know. This has got to be 30, 30 years ago. Right. So he, 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 he actually only put in a dime. Wow. <laughs> right. Cause it was one of these things at work. So it was 10 people. They all threw in a dime and they bought one ticket <clears throat> and it was the winning ticket. Right. And what is really interesting with him is that he he did he's not more miserable he's a great guy but I, I will say this is that the it was a twenty year payout for him mm. right and he won in I think his late forties maybe late early fifties and he's still around he's I think he's 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 in his uh, late eighties now but it, it was an adjustment for him after the twenty year payout ended <laughs> he was, okay. he was like. Holy cow! I gotta, <laughs> gotta change how I live my life here. Because your stand, just like with raises, right? Your standard of living would r- rise to meet your income of to course. some extent. Sure. So, but you know, he's 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 made the adjustment, but still, I thought thought that was interesting. And now, now, of course, you know, my chances are uh, are are significantly less because I know someone who won. I know that's not true. I know the probability and statistics that's not true. I'm just making a joke. 
<laughs> well, you know, one thing that is kind of similar uh, uh, with this is is uh, Landsberg. Uh, I think this was on one of his blogs. He was talking about the whole, remember the whole Ken Starr investigation of Bill Clinton? Oh, yeah. And, and, and one of the big complaints about that was how much his office spent, you know, the special prosecutor spent on this. And I, it was in the millions of dollars. I forget how much. And Landsberg, he wrote about this and he said, yeah, well, you know what? That's about 25 cents per American citizen. And that's pretty cheap entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper than going to the movies, I think he said. <laughs> that's true. And we, we were all glued to our TVs, too. Oh, a, were. I mean, that's kind of made, made cable television between that and the OJ trial. And, and admit it, when the Star Report came out, you bought it. Uh-huh. I did. Remember, yeah. they turned it into paperback? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was some juicy reading. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right. So it's a cheap. Ed- you still have your first edition of that, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so cheap fantasy is, is basically, I think, I think the, the, probably the most correct answer on that answer. one. Yeah, I I just know though, Ed. We're going to be in Vegas one of these days, and since you don't gamble, uh, you know, you're we're just going to be walking by a slot, and you're going to drop a quarter in and win a big progressive and hit millions or something. <laughs> I, you know, that usually happens that way, right? Yeah, the person who yeah. never buys the lottery ticket, you know, and decides to do it wins. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I am in I, the first time I ever went to Vegas, I did put I think ten bucks in like a nickel slot machine. I sat there for, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it took. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like, Never do that again. That's 45 minutes I won't get back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Next one. Next one. What's what? up? Should we, uh, should we set this up and take the break, or can we do a quick one? Uh, well, let's go ahead. Let's set it up and then take the break. We'll take the break okay. a little bit early so we can spend some time on this and maybe another one. Okay. But why is it that men spend less on medical care than women. Now, it's not that they're charged less. We're not talking about a price difference here that men are charged less. It's right. that men spend less of their income on medical care than women. And that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We'll have to think about that one. But first, we are going to go to our, our break, but we want to remind you that you can get to our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. Our book is available out there. and love for you to buy and read a copy of that and, and certainly give it a review on Amazon. Those are gold for us. And please continue the reviews on iTunes. We really uh, appreciate those. But uh, right now, we want to hear from my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever 
read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Economic Puzzles and Paradoxes. And, Ed, we left off. Why do you think men spend less on medical care than women? You know, I'm I'm reminded here, and this is going to get me in trouble at home. I'm reminded here of an old Alan King line when when somebody asked him, well, you know, why why do women live longer than men? And his his response and his joke was, is well, because men are married to women. Right. <laughs> now he did that routine where he read obituaries. Oh yeah. By his wife, survived by his wife. Even some guy who died at 110. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Survived by his wife. His wife. He had to step on his hands to get him in. He didn't want to go. <laughs> that was that was a fantastic routine. He, he even mentions, I think, in one of them, Ludwig von Mises. Is he does. Like, yeah, the economist von Mises. Yeah, I, yeah. Who died Excellent. at 102, but survived by his by his wife. <laughs> but okay, but but so that why do men spend less on medical care? Now this is not they not doesn't mean they pay less for the same procedure. No, right? That's that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about price differentials. We're talking about spending over the course of their lives uh, is less than women. And I I guess like my my answer, which initial answer, which is probably wrong because it's the is that. Um, Men, men, men want to just be tough, you know, and just tough it out. So they're like, oh, I can get past this cold. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't think like women. That. I've I've heard from women that men are wimps and don't like pain, so and they're afraid to go to the doctor. Yeah, which could be. yeah, it's probably it's probably got some some validity, um, but but I think the big answers are, you know, men are more likely to die violently. <laughs> okay, but how does that how does that how does that tie to why they spend less on medical care? Well, because if if they're doing jobs that are that are far more dangerous, you know, they might they might kick off at a young age, right? Oh, okay, so it's still so it's it goes back to the fact that men live live slightly shorter than women, so therefore, with the extra time, women are more likely to spend more on medical care overall. Yeah, but but I think even with that, even if say you were a knowledge worker who didn't do dangerous occupations, you, you you'd have a vested interest in keeping your health, right? Mm-hmm. So that I, I think the idea that men die violently, whether it's wars, right, mm-hmm. 
or uh, in dangerous occupations, firemen, whatever. Um, you know, firefighters are on firefighters. Fire, yes, firefighters. Thank you. Um, and, and obviously, they die sooner. I'll, I'll, I won't. Uh, I don't have to worry about getting me, myself in trouble. But you know, the old joke that I thought you were going to say is, you know, when people ask, "Well, why do men die sooner than women?" It's because mm-hmm. they want to. No. <laughs> Now, now. <laughs> now, the other thing that might be going on here is women get sick more. Hmm. Is that is that an established fact? Or I, we I believe that I believe that is an established fact. Yeah. So the women's immune system is slightly less uh, comprehensive than men. That's the wrong word, but you get what I mean. Yeah. And and other issues too. I mean, I you know, but but they 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 it, it is pretty well received that women get sick more than men. Hmm. Um, maybe that maybe maybe women's bodies are more complicated than men too. That could be they could that, that well that could be part of it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. So, but but I but I think but I think the, uh, the life expectancy issue and and the occupations um, play a role here for sure. Okay. Yeah, because when you're talking about overall, that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. No. All right. One more. We got time for one more. One more. Okay. Well, then this is fascinating. When you think about going to a grocery store, and you know how milk, when you buy milk, it's they come in rectangular containers, but when you buy soda pop, they come in round containers. Hmm. Why? Dang, that's a hard one. <clears throat> and my answer now, would be because they, they've always done it that way, but that's, there's got to be a deeper answer, right? That's, that, there's got to be something deeper than that. <laughs> well, if you just think about the, um, the ease of drinking, right? No, nobody's chugging milk out of the rectangular carton, but we all hold a Coke, right? And, and maybe drink a Coke uh, from the can. So okay. that, could be, that could certainly be be part of it the ease of use to the consumer of the container Mm. but there's actually even a bigger factor which is kind of fascinating if you think about it milk is stored in refrigerators now those are more costly for the grocery stores refrigeration so the space in them is more precious Ah. and if you have a rectangular bottom they take up less space than a round bottom and therefore they can put more cartons of milk in there than they could if they were in round containers so it's really a refrig- cost of refrigeration huh maybe that's the say i wonder if that's also true with margarine and butter too because i can't margarine sit out for like ever i mean i think so yeah at least at least it's if it's sealed Yes. So therefore, that's why it's kind of in a in a rounder container, and then the butter usually buy in a you know the brick format. Right. I wonder so, if there's a a parallel there. The the thing that that strikes me about all of these puzzles and paradoxes, Ed, is that you know you like you said you go to subjective theory of value, and and you try and try and fit that you know that tool in there to to explain the behavior, but then you can also look at price theory which is where you get the two-part tariffs or price discrimination and that. and then, But you can also look at the cost side. I mean, because, you know, a learning curve and just merchants being, you know, at this for a long time, you would figure, you would think 
that they would have figured out the cheapest way to do something, right? <clears throat> There's a cheaper way to do it. They're, they're going to figure it out. That's the normal human learning curve. And so right. there's, those are kind of the three big ones I first go to <clears throat> when I'm confronted with this issue. But you brought up one when we were prepping for the show that I think is fascinating, mm-hmm. which is why are the Nigerian prince frauds still, <laughs> you know, the email scams still, why do they still exist? I right. still get them. I still get them. They get through your spam filters no matter what, right? I know it's amazing. And and why are why are there why are there they continue with the spelling errors? You would think that they would be like, okay, we got that we can fix the spelling errors now. We can run it through, but yet they they have the, they still have misspellings in them. Right? Yes. So uh, what is and, going and, on? Yep, and this is this is, uh, and again, we'll uh, hat tip to to Russ Roberts because when he he had this one on his show too, and I, I just thought that this one was absolutely fascinating. Um, and you know, you you, w- you would think that you know they'd clean this up, but you know, th- I love this this the answer to this because it's very much in alignment with what you and I talk about from a price pricing standpoint. Only had nothing to do with price here, right? And the reason is, is because they, they want to target gullible people, right? So, the, you know, the, 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 the fact that you, you, you and I have heard of the Nigerian prince scam and it's, and it's completely uh, ubiquitous, almost everybody knows about it, right? Um, they, they purposefully leave the, these, these things in place because the person that doesn't hasn't heard about it yet is way more likely to participate in it. And the same thing is the the reason for the spelling errors too, right? They, they, they're not, they're not targeting the sharpest knives in the drawer. They're not, they're not targeting the brain surgeons who are going to fall victim to this. Yep. So they purposefully leave the spelling errors in because for, for people who, well, well, they, you know, they might be willing to do this. And I don't think that, you know, despite the fact that they're telling you, hey, listen, I, we're, you know, we're going to send you $4 million or whatever the number is, right? The, 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 the scams still exist because, you know, they, they'll do it $750 at a time, right? Yep. So if they yep. can get someone who's gullible, 750 bucks is say you know that, that's a lot pretty easy um, you know once once you get extract the 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 account numbers and all that so it's it's targeting it's actually it's, targeting. yeah it, it, it's it's a form of what the theater owners are doing it's identifying the right buyer mm-hmm. right they're and yep. it, yeah and they're they're targeting it that that totally makes sense wasn't that I know Russ Roberts mentioned a um was it an iPhone commercial with Sirius? Yeah, yeah, with Siri. Yeah, <laughs> with Siri. Yeah, with Siri. And uh, what what was that? What was the gist of that? The, the, and it, there's it's some uh, somewhat famous actor or, or, or is in it, and uh, we'll see if we can dig it up and and post it. But the end end of it is Siri reading back. You know, you have an email from Nigerian Prince. Would you, <laughs> would would you like to open it? And the guy goes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he wants to pay you two million dollars or something. Yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, and and they, I got to believe, Ed, that because of that targeting, they leave the spelling mistakes in. They're going after the gullible who haven't heard and all of that, maybe new you know, internet users or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, I got to believe it works. Mm-hmm. If, if it only works on point zero 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 one, you don't need many. That's right. That's right. So, anyway, just I guess it's like a, so of this stuff. It's it works because it works. Wow. Well, that's that's fascinating. Well, folks, we have a lot more of these economic puzzles and paradoxes, and uh, we'd really love your feedback. Uh, see if you find these interesting, or if you have one of your own. Please send it in to uh, Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com or hit us on Twitter at hashtag asktsoe or at asktsoe. But Ed, what's up for next week? Well, next week we're going to do a topic in my wheelhouse, Ron. We're going to talk about project management. Specifically, we're going to talk about initiating a project. Our our show on on uh, creating a scope document was was really well received. We got a lot of of uh, emails about it, so we're going to do one on initiating a project. Oh, excellent! I look forward to that. Yeah, those project management uh, episodes are really popular, so it's great that we'll be able to tap into your brain on that some more. So sounds that good. sounds great, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. 